today I will continue on the book of Ephesians, right? So today we are starting from the from verse eight of the book of Ephesians, chapter one. Let's get into it now. So the, uh, Paul speaking to the church in Ephesus, verse eight reads, "Which he made abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence." So that means Paul is talking about something from the previous verse. And this is why when we read the Bible, we need to learn to read the Bible in context. Don't lift a verse out of isolation because most of the time it will not make a meaning, any meaning to you or reasonable meaning to you. Many people, many Christians have confused themselves and also confused many other Christians by lifting a verse from the Bible most of the time out of context. I know people today who don't believe in speaking in tongues. And the reason why they don't believe is because chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians say, talks about, you know, tongues are the air. Uh, when, let me, let, me, let me say it in no more, uh, you know, when, let me say it in, 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 in a natural language. Now, I said, when Jesus comes, right, when, the, when we receive the fullness of Christ, right, tongues will cease, you know, prophecies will cease. The Bible says, now we know in part, but when Jesus comes, you know, when, the, they, when, when, our, when, our, when our redemption is complete, Lord Jesus, help me not to be too technical this morning in the name of Lord Jesus. When Jesus comes, right, when the perfect comes, when, when Jesus comes, that, you know, we will no longer need tongues, Right, so because they said because the Bible the, that verse of the Bible says tongue will cease, right? Something in me says, Let's go there. You guys, you know, I was apologizing ahead of time that you know I'm hoping not to rush you guys this morning, and I'm you know the struggle there is because I don't want to go read it. Well, let's go read it. First Corinthians 13. <laughs> I do want to read it <laughs> anyway. Let's do it. Uh, so I'll start from verse 8. So the Bible says there, it said, love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. So watch this. Said, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part, will be done away with. Now we still prophesy. Now we still speak in tongues. And the Bible says that when Jesus returns, when, we, when, when our redemption is complete, when we receive a glorified body, when Jesus comes to be the Lord over the heavens and the earth, now we will not need to prophesy or speak in tongues anymore. And I don't want to go into the teaching about speaking in tongues because speaking in tongues is for you and I's benefit. 1 Corinthians 14, the next chapter after this, talks about he who speaks in tongues edifies himself. Now, because that verse says tongue will cease, an entire congregation, even down to their children, and possibly their children's children, except they come to know the, the Lord Christ Jesus themselves and find out the truth about the word of God, they will believe that tongues are seized and deprive themselves of the benefit of praying in tongues. What a, what a, what a calamity or how should I put this money? It's a sad thing that people will just take one verse of the Bible and they run away with it. 
Read it in context. Who is speaking? What are they saying? What are, who are they talking to? Why are they saying what they are saying? What applies to you in this culture and what does not apply to you based on the culture of that time? What is the message for the church? What is the message of, to the people at that time? What dispensation in, what is the, what is the dispensation in which they were speaking? So do you see now that to be a Christian, a sound Christian, a disciple, a follower of Jesus is not, is not coasting. It's not just speaking one or two minutes video on social media and believe that you know the word of God. No, you got to sit down. That's why we, call, we use the word disciple, discipline follower of Christ. You need to understand. You will study. You will understand. Amen. So verse 8 there, going back to this uh, Ephesians chapter 1 which he made to abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence. What did he make to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence? Verse 7 has the answer. Verse 7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, watch this, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. So what, what God made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence is grace. Watch this. The letters written to the church were not originally in verses. People divided these letters into verses for easy reference. Amen. People divided the letters to the church, even the Old Testament, all of kind of stuff, into verses and chapters for easy reference for you and I. Right? So people should not take a verse out of context. No, ah, the Bible says, the Bible says, who said it? Why did he say it? In what context? In what context? What was he talking about? Amen. So when you are reading your Bible, if you read your Bible this way, with this mindset, you realize that you are more stable. You know, you're, you're more solid as a believer. You're more sound as a believer. You're more intelligent. Everyone help those who help themselves. Where is it written in the Bible? But because it's been said, it's been, it's been repeated, recited in the church for many years. So people say, heaven help those who help themselves. How? Which heaven? Help who? who? Which, 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 which part of heaven? Is it the heavenly, the atmosphere where demons operate? Or the heavens where Jesus dwells? The realm where Jesus and the Father dwells? Which heaven? And who and what are, what is heaven help what is heaven helping you with? To cheat to lie? Because that's the context they use it. When they are trying to when they're trying to compromise and do something evil to help God, they say heaven help those who help themselves. It's a lie. Praise God. So verse 8, the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> I have fun. I enjoy doing this, so I do get <laughs> I get excited doing this. Anyway, let's do this. So watch this. It says, God made his grace, undeserved kindness, to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Amen. Now that word abound there means superabound. I have the Greek word here in case some Greek scholars are trying to hear me say Greek this morning. <laughs> so it's called perizio. Let's, let's leave the Greek out of this. Let me, let me deliver the word to you. Amen. So the Greek word here means superabound. 
It also means to lavish. So God has lavished his grace toward you, toward you and me. He's holding nothing back. I mean, he has super abounded his his grace towards us. Amen. And the Bible also says that in all wisdom and prudence. Now, wisdom is the ability to apply knowledge and skill. Knowledge and skill. You know, the problem I had with Christianity, not as a faith, but as a practice, growing up as a child, is the disconnect between what I see in the life of Christians, what many preachers preach, and what the Bible says. It does not make sense. It does not connect. I can't, most of the time, I'm not able to use the things that were taught on Sunday. So my Christian life was miserable. So the Bible says here, God lavished his grace and he lavished his grace on us in all wisdom and prudence. What does that mean? Now, prudence there means knowledge. So the Bible is saying to us that God has revealed, has has given to you the knowledge about his grace. God wants you to understand to the fullest of the fullest is grace. He wants you to experience his undeserved kindness to the, to the best of the best measure. And he's also giving you, giving you the knowledge of that grace, what that grace is. And God did not only give you the knowledge of his grace, but also the ability to apply it, the intelligence. So there's no reason for a, for, for, for a Christian to be stupid. So when people ask you to bring some stupid offering so that God can be merciful unto you, it tells us that you are not walking in the reality of the wisdom of God about his grace. When people ask you to come and wash your feet in church so that you can trample upon your enemy, these things are not intelligent. It does not depict or show or, or, or reveal the intelligence that God has given you in Christ Jesus. Amen. And all manner of demonic things practiced in the church or among many Christians to get the blessings of God. No, this does not show that we understand that we are, in, we are, spiritual, we are, we are spiritual intelligent beings. So, if you don't know that God has given you a wisdom to apply the knowledge of his grace, now I am telling you according to his word, verse 8, that God has lavished upon you his grace in all wisdom and prudence. So, you can make this your prayer point or your confession. Father, in the name of Jesus, I believe in my heart that your grace has been lavished upon me in all wisdom and prudence. So I walk in knowledge of your grace. I walk in revelation knowledge of your grace. I walk in the, in the ability to, to apply the knowledge of your grace in my life. Not to be stupid or dumb, but to walk in the reality of who you have created me to be in Christ Jesus. Amen. So based on what the Bible tells us here and what we have received in Christ Jesus, there's no reason under heaven for a believer to be manipulated 
to be oppressed, to be depressed, to be used, to be coined by people who claim to be Christians but are in essence abolished or wizards or witches. Amen. You have the wisdom of God on the inside of you. The Bible says Christ in you, the hope of glory. And the Bible tells us that Christ is the wisdom and the power of God. And here we're talking about this grace. The Bible says to, to us that, you know, the grace of God has appeared to all men and you know, teaching us, you know, you know to, to avoid, I can't remember how, the, 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 how um, is it um, Titus quoted it now? I mean, how Paul said it in, in the book of Titus. But the grace there we're talking about is Christ Jesus. So God has given Christ to you in super abundance. Christ is in you. I feel like using some terms sometimes in my in my dialect. Christ is in you anyhow. <laughs> you know when we get there, when we get to this kind of point, I have to really behave myself, especially because of my wife. Amen. So that I don't get called into leadership meeting to say, you know, we are a multicultural church. So why were you speaking Yoruba? Amen. Christ is in you anyhow. <laughs> Amen. I refuse to be tempted. Praise the Lord. You got to see yourself that you're full of Christ. You're not a second class citizen. You're not an afterthought. You are full of Christ. Amen. So when you read through the Bible, don't skip verse 8 and just read it and pass by. No. It carries weight. Amen. It carries what? So much weight. Connect it to verse 7. Praise the Lord. You know, the Thayer's Greek English lexicon says, Prudence is knowledge and holy love of the will of God. Knowledge and holy love of the will of God. Praise the Lord. Let's carry on. Uh, I hope I've communicated a few things uh, there to you guys. So, uh, one of the excerpts or some of the things I, I picked from my materials while studying this was he said god has not left us in the dark concerning concerning his eternal purposes for our lives no god will let you know and has made us know his plans and his purposes for us praise the lord in christ jesus verse 9 having made to, i love this having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure <laughs> which he proposed in himself. Amen. Let's get, I mean, this is an exciting point. See, the Bible says, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he proposed. Now, mystery. The Greek word mystery here, for, for mystery here, call is, is called something like mysterion, right? It's translated something that could not be known by people except by divine revelation. Ah, something that what something that cannot be known by people except by divine revelation. <laughs> I'm trying to slow down here a little bit. Amen. And behave myself this morning. Praise the Lord. <laughs> okay, okay. I will get there. We'll get there. But I'm just trying to really behave myself. Now, now mystery means something which was hidden in the past. To the people of the Old Testament, but now is revealed. Praise the Lord. You know, the reason why I was laughing was that I was having a conversation with someone and they said, Ah, Pastor, you want to shout, Paul? 
<laughs> you, you you throw the word like it's the truth but the way you throw it ah pastor ah, i said uh so i'm trying to be very nice this morning so that <laughs> i'm not i'm not i'm not considered as being mean i just speak the truth and say the way it is i don't live in a world of political correctness amen praise the lord and i'm not talking to the people of the world as a as a father and spiritual head in my household, I, has, I have the right by the authority of God to rebuke, to correct, you know, praise the Lord. So that's why I was laughing in case you were thinking this guy is serious this morning at all. Yes, I'm very serious. I'm just trying to be myself. But I'm still going to say it, but uh, we're going to get there. Amen. Now, so mystery means something which was hidden in the past to the people of the Old Testament, but now is revealed. Now, the specific mystery that Paul is talking about here, we'll read that in the next verse. Right. But I want to say something. I want to clarify something about mystery. Applying it to the Christian circle, Christendom, a lot of things have been abused. Oh, Lord Jesus. Okay, let's do this. Okay, uh, one second. I think I should just go there straight away and talk about that mystery thing. Praise the Lord. Now, the Bible says to us here, he said, Having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he proposed in himself. And I said what? Mystery is something that could not be known by people except by divine revelation. I don't know. I'm not, what, I'm about to say, what I'm about to say is not to offend anyone, but just the truth. If God would not withhold mystery, is mystery from you and I. So what makes you think that there's something only you can know? Only you, it's only you it can be revealed to. And I cannot be revealed to any other Christian because of the super privilege that you occupy with God. It's not right. So I'm trying to break an air of pride in Christians as I'm speaking this morning. There's nothing only a man of God can know. I think I, I think I phrased that point well because the way it was going to come out, it was not going to be too nice. But it's the truth. You hear things in the church like, you know what, because we are men of God, because we are bishops, because we are this, because we are that, there's some insight that only us can know. It's a lie. Because looking at the Bible, did you read there that, did you read, can you find or can you read about any, pro, any bishop, any pastor, any, any, can, is any ministry gift or ministry office mentioned here who cannot access the mystery of God? If God makes his own mystery, that is Christ Jesus, I'm going to come into it, uh, into more details about it. If God makes that available to everyone in the Bible, so what makes some category of people think they, are, they have a special privilege to have access to the deep things of God? It's nonsense. You see why I was laughing? It's nonsense. With all due respect, I have clearer and deeper understanding about the revelation of Christ than many men of God who have multi, who have, um, what do you call it? This mega churches. We talk respectfully, and I'm, I'm not trying to brag here, but I'm telling you, I have clearer understanding of the gospel of Christ than many bishops and prophets across the globe. Even Pope. And I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not bragging this morning. You see why I'm laughing? I'm not bragging. I know what I'm saying. Based on what they teach people and their practices, 
Imagine one pope saying things like, the Big Bang Theory, I can't remember how I was told about this last week. It's nonsense. It's not true. Among Christians today, Christian leaders, because they want to be accepted, recognized, and have a place in, in politics, so they begin to, they begin to they twist the word of God. And do you know what that does to you? When you are not open to the word of God, you allow the devil and lies to accommodate you. Amen. So, including myself, I don't have an exclusive right to the mysteries of God. It's available to everyone. The Bible says that you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And it will teach you all things. It will confirm what is right and what is not right as you listen to the gospel. Now, you, it may sound like I'm very mean this morning. I need to because lives and destinies depend on this. When people communicate lies and deception to people in the church, do you know what they do? They open the people up to the father of lies, the devil. And you wonder why many Christians are not experiencing the healing, the power, the glory, the joy of the Lord. Because they have been lied to. They have been made to believe that they cannot have access to the, to, to the knowledge of God, to Christ, to who God is. Except through a, a channel, a man calls himself a conduit between God and you. And you believe it. It shows that you don't already understand what the word of God says. In the New Testament, there's no middleman between God and us, believers. There's no middleman. All you need is the Holy Spirit. And as long as you have the Holy Spirit, you have access to the Father. Jesus came to reconnect you to the Father. Jesus came to reconnect you to the Father. So by trusting in the Lord Jesus, you are reconnected to the Father. You don't need any prophet in your life, a pastor, a preacher, to connect you to God. Now, the work of the pastors and the other ministries gifts is to guide you, to further strengthen you, to help you, you know, provide counseling, guidance, teaching, to, to help you in your journey of, of knowing God and being one with Christ. They have no right to stand between you and God. And you have no right either to want someone to help you to liaise with God, to find mercy. This is all lies. What I'm saying with you this morning, if many unsaved people hear about this, they will come to Christ. But because the loudest people in our society are people who are manipulating people, lying to people for whatever reason on their mind, and this is what most of the unsaved people here, they don't want to have anything to do with Christ. Can you now say that it's, it, this requires some laughing because it's going to offend a lot of people. And I don't give a rip. If it hits you, go repent. If it rubs you the wrong way, go repent and stop destroying lives and destiny. I think people don't understand how much evil is in preaching the wrong message i have a first-hand experience i know what happens behind the scenes i've seen lives ruined because of wrong messages i've seen people die of cancer because of false messages if you are called into christian leadership you are given a huge responsibility and life depends on what you do so you cannot be careless about the message 
of the gospel. Praise the Lord. So the Bible tells us here that according to the good pleasure of his will. So the Bible says, having made known to us, he has made known to us through the Holy Spirit. So in the Holy Spirit, you have access to all of the plans and the purpose of, life, of God for your life. He has made it known to you. What you need to do is to begin to educate your mind as you read the word of God to discover these things. And I'll show you more what that, that mystery is. Amen. And the Bible says it is according to his good pleasure, which he proposed in himself. So if God willingly, joyfully give you access to his own mystery, we, I mean, willingly gave you access to his own mystery. So, who lied to you, making you feel that, you know, you need to do some things, you know, there are some, there are some things you need to do for God to, you know, be merciful unto you. And maybe out of his mercy, he might make you know some things about your life. So, we're looking at mystery. This is God's mystery. But even the affairs of your life, let's take it, let's come, let's come uh, much lower. Let's come down much lower to everyday human life. The plans and the purposes of God for your life on earth. No, let's, let's come down from the mountain of deep spiritual things about Christ. Just in your life. You, th you think until you meet a man of God or a prophet, you cannot know the mind of God for your life. Someone has lied to you. If God will not hold back from you, the deeper things of Christ. So what makes you think it would hold back from you the things that concern your life to leave you to live a safe life in this, on this earth? Spiritual things, deep things, high things in Christ Jesus. He did not conceal them from you. He didn't withhold them from you. And one man is now saying that you need to come to me for me to give you special prayers for you for three days so that you can see the plans, and for you, the plans and the purpose of God for your life. These are all lies. These are demonic manipulation. Guys, I am not missing words. I am not, I'm not speaking out of just passion. And I'm not just speaking. I am telling you some very serious issues that are destroying lives. Many women have been sexually molested by this so-called prophet and some Christian brothers and sisters because they don't believe that they have access to the Father and God will not withhold anything from them. And human beings who are predators, when they realize that you don't know who you are in Christ Jesus and you don't know what access you have, your rights and privileges in Christ, they will use your vulnerability against you. They will exploit you. They will use you. Amen. There are some very sad news that I had that I, I can't even share. Imagine a man and his wife go to see a pastor. Right? And the pastor is sexually abusing the, the, the wife while the husband is waiting in the reception. How evil can we be? And the woman was just so sincere believing that it's only this man of God that can give her what she's looking for. Come on. What has happened to us? What has lied to you? Praise the Lord. I don't control people in my church. I try as much as possible not to be involved in people's business. And it is kind of good for me because I'm supposed to help people get one step closer to God. It's about you and God. And I have to ensure, that, I have to ensure as well that I focus on my own relationship with the Father. Not prognosing to other people's business. It ain't my business. 
I'm a pastor. I'm not people's, uh, I don't know what word to use this morning. I'm not a monitoring spirit. No. Praise the Lord. So let me call a few things that I have in my notes here. <clears throat> if God reveals his plans of redemption to us willingly, why do we think we need palm readers, false prophets, to reveal our destiny? A prophet who specializes in reading and foretelling people's future does not understand his or her calling. I repeat, a prophet who specializes in reading and foretelling people's future does not understand his or her calling because that's not your calling as a prophet. So if you are going into, if you think God is calling you into the office of a prophet, your assignment is not to be, 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 be foretelling people's future. There's a lot of work about Christ, Christ being known, made known to people that we need to focus on. Right. So God knows his purpose for our lives and best revelation of your life is best received firsthand. The best revelation you can the best revelation you can receive from the Lord about your life is best received firsthand because human beings though we don't have evil intentions most of the time, right? But we can we can misinterpret the plans and the purpose of God with our mind. Because the mind of a person plays a major role in how they relay the message of God to you. So it's best that we train you. I train you all to learn to hear God for yourself. Because I might be having a very bad day and um, God is speaking to me and I may be interpreting it with my mind one way or the other. And that's why most of the time when I'm not very clear about what God is saying to me, I just leave it aside until I'm in a very good state of mind. Praise the Lord. Let's carry on. There's more there. <clears throat> Verse 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of, of the times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth. I love the word dispensation. This kind of word they used to, to bamboozle us back in the day. And when they use the word dispensation, we're like, ah, oh, man, mm, revelation, huh? So, come on. The word of God is easy to access. It, it was written so that we can understand it. There should be no such thing as mysteries that people cannot understand. If a pastor is teaching and people cannot understand it, can understand it it's teaching nonsense. Don't come with big grammar and some Greek word that people cannot relate with. Imagine I, I, imagine I bombard you with Greek and Hebrew meaning of the Bible and it, you, you cannot take tangible lessons out of it. That, there's no communication. It's a waste of time and resources. So I'm speaking to young ministers of the gospel, right? Regardless of whatever, regardless of whatever you have been told or taught about, about ministering and some men of God who have the stature and the, the size of the congregation who speak big grammar, I'm telling you today that the essence of preaching and teaching is for people to understand and be able to use what we share with them in the gospel. So if you are thinking of coming to, to throw some stones and to, to, look, to look the part like some men of God, I don't want to call their names, you're only wasting your time. And you are doing damage to the people. The people must be able to understand it. They must be able to get closer to God, appreciate God much more after your teaching. And it's not about making you feel like a G. If you are thinking of going to ministry to look like a G, you have the wrong motive. Amen. So dispensation means it's uh, a period of time. Dispensation just means period. Period of time during which God deals with people in a certain way. 
And the major, the two major dispensations we have in the Bible is the dispensation of the law, uh, which is is in the Old Testament, and the dispensation of, dispensation of grace. It's, a, it's, simply, it's simply how God dealt with people in certain times. Simple. You can tell that I, 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 I was a victim of these manipulations back then. Oh, dispensation. When dispensation of time comes, I'm like, ah, the man is preaching. And when we leave the conference, the, the, the seminar, we are confused. And stupidly, we carry those teachings too back to campus. The dispensation. And we'll be, we'll be gyrating at it. We know what we're saying. It simply means how a period of time whereby God dealt with people in a certain way. It's simple. I appreciate one uh, feedback I got from a guy who don't come to your church. He said, I like the way you teach. You just make it so simple, line by line, like you're just teaching. I said, that's the essence of communication, of teaching. Everyone must be able to understand it. I'm supposed to demystify some things in the Bible for you based on translation. That's my job. One part of my job. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Amen. So, Dispensation of the fullness of times, the Bible says here, don't forget that this is in connection with the previous verse. Verse 9 says what? Let's go back there. Verse 9 says, Having made known to us the mystery of his will, now I want to look at that mystery, according to his good pleasure, which he proposed in himself. Watch this. That's connected to the previous verse. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one, all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. Love this. Now, this dispensation of the fullness of times is a millennium, right? When Christ will rule, rule as supreme over all things. Let's look at that verse. Let's, let's, let's break it down. That in dispensation of the fullness of times, which is at the end of the dispensation of grace that we are in at the moment, so when this dispensation ends, when the Lord Jesus returns, right, so God will, God will put everything in heaven and on earth under the Lordship of Jesus. And trust me, see, this is to give you hope about the future so that you're not hopeless on earth. You don't think you're just existing. This is to make you rejoice and even when you see death coming, or maybe you are in your 90s, your 100, or you hear about someone who is dying, you are not dejected. You are happy for them that they're in a better place. So we will miss people because they are loved one. But if truly and truly we really love them, we are not, we're not selfish, we will rejoice for them that they're in a much better place. You know, one of the reasons why many of us are so down and destroyed and damaged when our loved one pass on is because to a very much extent, we are thinking of what we will miss as a person. But what about the person themselves? The things they did for us, how they were there for us. But can we for a second begin to rejoice for them for because they are in a much better place? I learned this from Papa E again. And I've been meditating on this for many years, many years. I mean, I mean, it's going to like 15 years and I've been pondering on this. And it's very right. Because look at it. You know, if a loved one pass on, why am I really, really sad? Yeah, they have gone. But why, why am I really sad? To a very much extent, what I'm not getting from them again, what I used to get. 
These things are hard, are difficult. Sometimes you are not, you are not respectful of the dead. Trust me, don't let me get me, don't, don't, get, don't run me crazy this morning. With all the respect, many people don't know as much as I know in the reality of what's going on here. And that's what I'm showing us from the Bible. Because people who are, who are running mad, who are losing their mind because their spouse went on to be, went on to be with the Lord, Let's watch. Just do an experiment. Let them begin to look at it from this verse of the Bible and begin to rejoice. Father, I thank you because this person is now in a much better place. And, and they should watch themselves how their emotions begin to change. Because as long as the focus is on us, we will be so sad and depressed and we're running, we'll be losing our mind. But when our focus shifts on the person to say, Father, I thank you for this person, they made it. Just watch how the emotions begin to change. I was having a conversation with my wife on Friday and um, I was trying to show her the psychology behind the psychology of a particular way of thinking. That sounds, that sounds technical, right? Yeah. And most of the time in dealing with my own life, I try to find the reason why I'm thinking or behaving or feeling the way I do. Not necessarily on the feeling or the thought. Sometimes when, I'm, when I begin to feel weird, I say, Lord, what's going on in the back end of my mind? What kind of thoughts are running in the back end of my mind that's making me feel this way? Do you know that all the time the Holy Spirit shows me? It shows me the reason why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling. But most of the time, what is making me feel that way is not connected physically on the surface, does not seem to connect with how I'm feeling. And that's why to live by your feelings is one of the most dangerous things you can do to yourself. It's interesting how jealousy, envy, drive some madness inside of us and many people cannot trace it to the fact that they are jealous or envious but because i know the word of god i can tell you that this is the reason why some people feel this certain way feel certain way people poison on that person and we tell them that what, what, what were you thinking when you when you when you poured the poison in their drink i don't know were you jealous of them no how can i be jealous no you are then we take them back many many years back when the other part the other part seems to begin to make something good out of their life and how they were feeling and how something at the back of their mind is thinking just get rid of this person get rid of this person so that I can be the star of the show many evil things are in the heart you know when Jesus said out of the heart comes adultery and all manner of stuff the Bible says guard your heart with all diligence because out of it flows the issues, issues of life. Another translation renders it, what you do come out of your soul. Even in my sleep last night, I was saying to myself, I guard my heart with all diligence. There are things I see on the TV that I choose not to look, even though I'm watching the TV. Because of what they would do to my soul. I'm preparing a message in my mind, part of my podcast. One of, one of the reasons why I would not commit adultery or have any kind of emotional engagement with any woman. It's because I don't want a woman in my soul. Because when I bring anything, to, there are two sides to that, to that, to that way of thinking, to, to, that, to, to this mindset. One is the affair, which opens you up, opens your soul up to the forces and the unclean spirits that operate with that, with that kind of relationship. I don't want them in my life. Because they come to control you and hold you in bondage. I don't want that in my life. One. The second part is this. The woman you are trying to have something with, whatever they represent or stand for in their life, right? You, you, 
They, they bring it into your soul, into your mind, your will, your emotions. They hijack you. There's no such thing as sex without string attached, with no string attached. No! There's a, see, we are, we're a function of our soul, the center of, of our mind, will, and emotion. The movies you watch are not harmless. The conversations you have are not harmless. The emotional things you, you do with people, they, they are not without impact. Praise the Lord. How did we get here? So I was talking about when a person passes on, they go to be with the Lord and how we feel. And I, as I was led in my spirit, I touched on many other things, which I know I would definitely get feedback because it's, that's, my, that's, uh, that's how I usually experience it. Amen. For, I can see that I'm 40 minutes into this message. Let me try to wrap up here. Amen. So taking it back, the Bible selling verse 10 says that, says that, that in, this, in the dispensation of the fullness of, of the times, it might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and on earth. So God is, so, I love this. I can, I can do this for another one hour. So God in his amazing awesomeness is even showing you the end of time. So if God is even showing you the end of time, what is going to happen? So who has lied to you that it will not, it will not show you what is happening in your, in your life right now to live the, the, a super excellent, successful Christian life? Praise the Lord. Let me wrap up on, on this note. Why will God bring everything together under Christ? You know, currently we can see in our world that there's so much confusion. There's so much abuse. There's so much hurt. In the world today, we have the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of God in human beings, in believers, living and uh, existing, coexisting on earth. But when the, when the fullness of time comes, when the fullness, the dispensation of the fullness of time comes, the kingdom of darkness will be taken out and Jesus will be the Lord over heavens and the earth. There will be no more headache, anxiety, depression, oppression, and all kind of stuff. Because Jesus will be Lord. Is it not something worth shouting and celebrating? That a time will come where there will be no more death. And that's why if you go into the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51, I think to verse 53, and further down, it talks about when, uh, when, the, when immortality will swallow up mortality. Right, and when, when we will receive a, a glorified body, I'm going to get to that. Receive a glorified body, you know, when the, and the Bible says, and say, uh, sting, uh, sorry, all death, where's your sting? I mean, it's going to be a, a joyful and a beautiful day. And if any of your loved ones has passed on from this moment, you know what? They are out of this control of darkness and evil and darkness in a much better place. So let's shift our focus from what we are not getting to what, to what. They, I mean, what they are getting. I should reserve this, this message for myself because my time will come in future. When my loved ones, when they are in their old age, they go back to be, uh, when they go home to be with the Lord. I pray Jalomim will, Jalomim will just stand up and just play this message and say, man of God, before you rip yourself apart, listen to your own message. Praise the Lord. So let's have that on record. Praise the Lord. Yeah, said the mystery. God will bring all things in heavens and on earth under the headship and lordship of Jesus. This has always been God's plan. 
Now, the heaven or hell issue. Now, people who do not make Jesus Lord over their lives before that time comes will not be a part of it. God is not sending anybody to hell. And God did not design anybody for hell. But when God comes to take darkness out of the world and Jesus becomes the Lord over heaven and hell, any, heaven and earth, anything that looks like the devil is taken out, including human beings that carry the nature of darkness. See, it's not... See, the, the, the problem is not with a person or with a people. Young people, are you listening to me? See, they, see don't even think hell. People should not be thinking about hell at all. Your, our business is to focus on preaching the gospel. What, what goes to heaven or hell is in your business. Your business is to focus on preaching the gospel to people that they can know about the goodness of God, receive the nature of God, be reconciled to God in Christ Jesus, and live the kind of life God wants them to live. And so that when the fullness of time comes, they will be with the Lord forever. That is your business. That is my business. Amen. So God is not casting anyone or predesigned anyone for hell. A person who has not received the new nature of God in Christ Jesus will not look like Jesus on that day and they will cast into outer darkness. No, God is not taking it personal. Jesus is not taking it personal. You know, this, all this preaching going on around heaven or hell, heaven at last, they are not correct, they are not right. God is not looking for people who will make heaven or hell. No. It's about who looks like Jesus and who does not, what does not look like Jesus. It's about the spirits at the end of the day. We receive a glorified body. If you don't carry the nature of Jesus, I'm going I'm to go much detail later on. If you don't carry the nature of Jesus, you'll not be able to receive the glorified body to live with him. So you can't dwell in light with Jesus. So what happens? They cast a person into outer darkness because it does not look like Jesus. No hard feelings. It's just a reality. Let's pray. Let's bow our heads of prayer. Father, we thank you for this morning in the name of Lord Jesus. <laughs> Lord, uh, we pray in the name of Jesus that this word become reality in our lives. That we begin to see how much you love us. That you would not even withhold any information for, from us about our lives and destiny. Father, you are just too, too good. And I pray in the name of Jesus that the more we think about these things and experience them and think about them, that we'll be able to walk in the reality of it, receiving the freedom and the healing that comes with it in the name of Jesus, walking in the authority and the freedom you have given to us in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.